two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. I think, so last week you were talking about how you might have shot yourself in the foot with, um, oh, what was your game, what was the game you were playing called? It oh, was... uh, Old, Old World. Old World, yeah, how mm-hmm. you shot yourself in the foot with that. Yeah. Um, man, we dodged a bullet on my end tonight. I bought, oh, I yeah. don't know if you saw, but all of the, um, uh, Age of Empires 2 or whatever was up on, they released oh. it on Xbox. Oh, man. Oh, that's So I just bought all one. of it. I just bought it all because I remember you talking about it. And uh, I got home tonight, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play some of this. And then I was like, oh, but be careful. You still got to do your thing. And then when I got in, <laughs> guess what I hadn't downloaded on my Xbox yet, but will be downloaded as soon as we're done doing this. Yeah. So you're really right. Maybe that needs to be Maybe that needs to be a thing like like... Just like, you know, sometimes you have to blow into a breathalyzer before your car will start up. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there needs to be something like that with video games. Like, all right, Josh, <laughs> how many words did you... You were right. Yeah, like if, if there's some sort of integration thing where like it'll, it'll count how many words I actually added to this uh, Microsoft Word document for my dissertation chapter. It's like, okay, you got your 2,000 words in... Steam is now open on your computer. Be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> You're just like hammering out your like 5,000 yeah, word limit for the day. Son of a bitch, son of a bitch, son of a bitch. Yeah, son of a bitch. Or, or right, like trying to cheat that. Um, uh, like I'll just like put put my keyboard in the bottom of a cardboard box and put Quincy in there. And so he'll just pe- be pecking on the keys and hitting the space bar and be like, all right, buddy, good job. You're doing it. <laughs> Papa's got to play some old world. <laughs> <laughs> What's he written? All work and no play makes Josh a dull boy <laughs> about a thousand times. A thousand times. Yeah, you know, must be part of his process. Yeah. <laughs> must be part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Josh, well, welcome to your dissertation defense today. Um, you know, I talked with the other committee members. Everything looks good. Everything looks good. But, uh, yeah, chapter four here, uh, Really, just a string of gibberish words here. You want to tell us a little bit more about what you were going for there? It's like I just want to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, yeah, I think you will very much enjoy Age of Empires 2. And gosh darn it, if I won't reinstall my copies and play that now. <laughs> uh, good, but, good. Yeah, let there, the time waste flow through you. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, and, and I guess sort of with, with that in mind, uh, never a waste of time, always fun, always dumb, always informative. Uh, welcome to the Two Wizards podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard, and that was expertly done, sir. I uh, yeah, no, golf I, clapping for you. I like great. In an in an actual kind of improv setting. Uh, I sometimes struggle, but man, these like transitions from like cold open into like getting into the episode. I, I mean, I guess I have two and a half years of doing this under my belt, so I better be halfway decent at it by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I guess so. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what does that well, say about me? I still don't know how to end. 
No. <laughs> this or Dangle podcast. Like, I just kind of wait till you or Johnny cut me off, and that's it. Like, <laughs> well, also to be fair, this is that, that, that's usually after like two two and a half hours of us like having our minds melted, both by the content of what we're discussing and by things that we have in our wizards cups. So two here's for another fucking two. <laughs> So here's Damn. another segue. Here's another segue for you. Mark, what's in your wizard's cup? <laughs> um, because I still need to be a good boy and make sure I don't get too fat for my upcoming beach vacation. Oh, I got you. 19 crimes, Cali Red, Snoop Dogg wine. I love this shit. <gasps> I, I keep buying this shit. It's amazing. That's okay. Um, well, now I have to look for it in grocery stores near me. Uh, this, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's pretty damn good. Like... I don't know much about wine, but it's 14.1%, and yeah, that would do it's it. got Snoop Dogg on it, and I love Snoop Dogg. Snoop yeah. Dogg. How about you, buddy? Uh, well, I am. I, I, I meant to kind of keep in theme uh, with our episode's topic tonight, because uh, uh, we got a variety pack from Great Lakes Brewing Company. Uh, they're out of Cleveland. That's right, yeah, I like Lake Monsters, Great Lakes. Um, so I was going to be like, oh yeah, here's our Elliot Ness uh, 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 Amber, and a um, couple different things like that. No, I just we, we just drank those throughout the week. Uh, but I did I did save a couple of Edmund Fitzgerald porters from Great Lakes, so I'm sticking with that. They broke. One of these days, I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna try that damn beer. I, oh yeah, dude. No, yeah, like yeah. I, I and and I know like yeah, you just have this this trip coming up. But anytime, anytime you're able to, uh, yeah, make it out here. You're you're more than welcome. We'll we will. We'll uh, see the sights, we'll hit the heights, and oh, what heights we'll hit. Because it's the Two Wizards podcast, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, cheers, good buddy. I, uh, yeah, well, to be fair, that was kind of weak on my part, too. But yeah, here's Anya. Cheers, buddy. Oh, boy. Oh, I am really getting into wine. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm not. It, it's literally one type, and I literally bought it because it had Snoop Dogg on it. It's <laughs> this one type I'm into. Well, I've been... I, I keep hearing this kind of idea expressed more and more in a different kind of circumstances and from different people, but it's all the same idea, right? Like, so much of... And I don't know if it's like a cultural thing that we have, but this idea of like, oh, I have to like know what I... I have to know about wine, um, in order to drink it. Like, I have to know, like, the difference between these types of coffee beans or these types of beer. Um, I really have to know what I'm, what, uh, yeah, what it means to, like, animate and, like, draw before I put my stuff out online or, or whatever. But, and the idea being, like, no, uh, no, silly, just, just do it. Just do it. Just drink wine. Just drink different types of wine and kind of reflect, like, okay, this one sucked or, hey, this one was okay. Uh, yeah. or, or just draw, even if it's not good, just draw, just, just do it. Because, um, one of the phrases that I heard to describe this was like pencil miles and that's specifically with like drawing, right? Like it, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not like, it's not, oh, how many quality, uh, illustrations, like sketches. It's like, how many miles have you gotten out of your pencil? Cause they're worth oh. something. And so you, so yeah, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And you just draw, draw, draw. Um, or... Drink, 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 as the case may be. Uh, podcast, podcast, podcast. Doesn't yeah, matter how podcast, good they podcast, are, it matters podcast. how long they are. Right. 
No, so I mean, I I, I can't. Um, I, I think it's a little too early to to divulge mo- much of this, but you know, there's there's maybe some projects that I have coming coming uh, down down the line. And mm-hmm. uh, recently, I was talking with some of the people with some of the other people involved with this, and they were saying like, you know, hey, we're we're, we're doing this publication thing, and but you know, any any more these days, you, you almost have to have a podcast component with it as well. And I was like, well, wouldn't you know? You know, hey, I I have my USB mic right here, and I know how to do Audacity, and and can like kind of edit and like do some sound mixing stuff. So, so right, like yeah. even just doing that, even these podcast miles that I've put in, uh, they're they're paying dividends. But but hey. So, listeners, before we even get into, like, Monsters Part 2, whatever thing that you thought about doing, like, yeah, I want to get into knitting, but I don't know, it's, or baking bread, or bowling, what, whatever it is, just just do it. Just start. Do it. Yeah. The time. Do it. Yesterday you said today, or tomorrow, or whatever Shia LaBeouf screaming <laughs> that meme from, like, six years ago. Do it! <laughs> what are you waiting for? I'm ready to kill me! Do it! <laughs> oh wait, that's the wrong. Do it. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but okay, so we're settled in. We have our wizard's cups. We have our lovely beverages. And I know I, I already said it. So Mark, we are continuing with Lake Monsters. Yes, this is Lake Monsters Part Two. Last week we kind of ended on like the sea serpent monster, and we have like the prince monster that was promised. And oh look. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is now. <laughs> uh, uh, these are called Seljord Sormen, or Selmas, and they live in Seljordsvanet, a 6.4 square mile lake in Vestfold og Telemark in uh, Norway. It's fed by the river Valorai, and I would love to give you any more information on this stupid lake, but anything that you look up on it routes back to the same original Wikipedia article. So I got... I got nothing, but this last episode was us, like, covering, you know, the lake conditions you need to get a monster. Mm-hmm. We're not going to focus on lakes this week. We're going to focus on lake monsters, so it's, it's going to be good. Um, okay. <laughs> Selma was first reported in 1750 by a guy named Gunlik Andersen, who reported being attacked by a seahorse. And this isn't, you know, the cute ones with the tails that the daddies right. carry the babies. like a, an right, actual right. Water, water horse type deal. Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> uh, more famously, and a lot of people call this the very like the first actual sighting of Selma. We don't know what the first thing that Gunlik saw, but it wasn't that, maybe. In 1880, a guy named Bjorn Bjorgi and his mother Gunhild reported killing a strange-looking lizard on one of the lakeside beaches. Uh, hmm. By and large, stories just kind of started to spread of people seeing a snake-like creature 30 to 45 feet long, sometimes with fins, sometimes it had, like, sometimes it has little fins up by the just the very top of its body like an eel might, or other times it has four sets of fins like the classic sea serpent. Oh, um, gotcha. It has a tapering body, and we also know that it is a confirmed fan of black-eyed peas. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, tell me more. I have to... Well, yeah, it's a lake monster, Josh. It's got them lovely lady humps. Them humps. Them humps, them humps, them humps. Everybody sees Selma's humps. Uh, We've been seeing Selma's with humps as long as we've been seeing Selma's. 
<laughs> this is amazing. This is already amazing. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, sightings of Selmas occur most often in August when populations of tourists instinctively flock back to the Vestfold area. Oddly enough, this is also believed to be the time of mating season for Selmas because of the frequency of the sightings reported at the time, and it has nothing at all to do with the, you know, tons of extra tourists in the area. Hmm. I mean, hmm. that does kind of make sense. More more people, more sightings. Hmm. Yes. Um, during the summer of 1918, one Carl Carlson was fishing on a still lake at the Sadness Bridge when he spotted a Selma in the water closing in fast on him. It came so close to Carl so quickly that it basically scared the shit out of him. He tossed down his fishing rod and ran the hell away. Uh, he said that the animal's head was like a horse and it rose about three feet out of the water. When the animal was about 150 feet from the bridge, it stopped, looked up at him, and then sank back down into the deep and disappeared. Hmm. This is not the takeaway that I should be fixated on. But, um, okay. Carl Carlson, man. Just <laughs> goddamn Scandinavian names. It's like. See, I'm glad you went there because I thought of the black guy from Simpsons. Oh, well, I, I guess that's... Who's also true. named Carl Carlson. He's also named Carl Carlson. Although that would be... That would make the story even better if it was the fictitious co-worker of Homer Simpson there at the Springfield nuclear power plant. Oh, yeah, yeah Homer. Uh, he's doing a little uh, vacation up there in uh, Sweden. Wouldn't, you'd never believe what I saw. It's <laughs> a really good Carl, dude. I just have weird, random... I just, yeah, like, have, have weird, random voices down down fairly pat. This is, Proud it's a blessing you. and a curse, good. man. <laughs> a blessing and a curse. <laughs> um, in 1920, on an unusually warm summer's day, um, Eivind Flutstuf uh, was fishing at Sinasodin when he came to the fishing spot on a high, so this spot is a high rocky point, and he you know, looks down over the lake, and he's going to go down to a spot at the base of this high rocky point. Uh, when he's looking out across the lake, though, he sees this strange animal way, way out in the lake. Um, mm. It had turned its back when Einvid came towards it and then slipped down into the water. He described the animal as about 15 to 20 meters long and was narrowing, so like it you know, kind of tapered back, and mm. had a head resembling a crocodile. Most assuredly not a horse. I want to point that one out. The animal was black in color and had fin-like feet in the front part, right below its neck. He saw no eyes or mouth, but the animal did turn its head from side to side and seemed to scout and listen. When it discovered Einvid, it quickly went back into the water again. Shit really, really hit the fan in 1977, 1977 when a German newspaper offer, offered a reward of 50,000 Deutschmarks for a picture of Selma. Now, remember how I talked about those tourists flocking instinctively in August? A lot mm -hmm. of them are German tourists, even to this day. Uh, this lake is a very popular German tourist attraction. I think that's adorable. That is pretty cute. That is pretty cute. <laughs> in 1996, two men fishing around dusk went um, on a calm, still lake were suddenly scared when all the silence was broken with the commotion in the water. A horse-like head attached to a 10-foot-long neck sprang out of the water, and the creature stared the two fishermen down at about 8 inches from their face and then just went back into the water. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no recorded 
incident like if that asked him for tree fitty or not. <laughs> also, kudos to us, and especially to you, sir, for going, um, yeah, like one and a quarter episodes without making the tree fitty joke. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, in 2000, we decided to get real serious. A project expedition named Project Comet, that would be the Coop, the Coop, <clears throat> Snoop Dogg wine, don't take my words yet. The Coop, <laughs> say, say the word for me, Josh. Coop, 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 what are you, cooperative, there it is. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> now he's having a stroke. Um, the, co- <laughs> the Cooperative Monster Eel Trap. Comet was launched with a professionally made trap placed in the lake. It was specifically named an eel trap because Selma beasts are protected by the Norwegian government. Mm. But the plan was to trap, catalog, and release a juvenile Selma. It unfortunately came up empty. Uh, there is also a team-driven, or t- sorry, a team-driven search led by divers every year by the group GUST, or Global Underwater Research Team, which was started in 1977 by one Jan Sundberg. Locals are extremely proud and protective of Selma. They state that uh, it represents a real thing, despite 250 years of only like one piece of like somebody killing one, and you know. <laughs> But that one piece of evidence is enough, and it doesn't matter. Local government has stepped in to protect it. It's like the Bigfoot in Skamania County, Washington. Um, mm. In Skamania County, Bigfoot are a protected endangered species, and killing one is a federal offense. Because, of course, Bigfoot is real, and, of course, Selmas are real, because yeah, there is something in this lake. Well, and, the, yeah, and absolute uh, kudos to them for, like... I'm, I'm sure there are some... I'm sure there are some that, like, also, to be fair, probably in, like, good nature, like, hey, this will, like, drum up some local business, would sort of, like, all right, yeah, here's the big, uh, come on in, everybody, here's the big, like, yearly festival, and we'll commercialize the shit out of it and make it a big deal. But it seems like, uh, in the, like, organize um, little, like, search parties or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, good on them for being, like, no, don't, don't go messing about this thing uh if it's out there it's out there and don't just you know when these german tourists coming in uh (laughs) (laughs) gotta make sure that yeah this is this is something that this this natural resource to be enjoyed uh by people of this generation and and later um yeah let's make sure that there's a selma for them too yeah absolutely yeah, beautiful. All I can think of is like you know those big, the extreme Bigfoot hunter shows we have now. Oh my god, yeah. So that, but it's like the German Brofoot hunters, like <laughs> what is up? It's your boy Cloud off. I'm here in Sweden, gonna find this nor this Selma to fuck it in the pussy, yeah. Got the Jägermeister. This is my boy Klaus, and Klaus is just like hammering <laughs> kegs. <laughs> like you see them like loading up on their harpoons and shit. There's a Selma in this lake, get down Deutsch style. Blasting fucking trap music out on the lake. <laughs> you can't have you doing this. It disturbs the Selma. You will leave now. You can go now. <laughs> Thank you for visiting. We'll see you next August. <laughs> right. Get out of here. I never want to see you again. Until next August, and then you're more than welcome. <laughs> um... 
Uh, while we're here, let's talk about the idea of uh, state-sponsored cryptids and what they mean okay. to us. Yeah, right. Since I, since I, again, sort of read your mind and preempted that anyway. But yeah, let's do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, we've talked a lot about this. Um, Teddy Roosevelt versus cryptid. We talked about the, um, yep. the, uh, um, the howler, mm-hmm. Ozark howler, and how that was the first national park that Roosevelt made was to protect the howler. Wink, wink, wink. Um, mm. uh, last week, we talked about the Lubkir devil in Russia, which was like pumped up and backed by the media because it was either real or it was like a joke, but they still did it, you know? So it's yeah. either like a, it's either a real lie for a good cause or it's just a joke and no one cares. But then sometimes like the lie of a lake beast is good for the local spirit, like this town or, you know, Loch Ness or like anybody we talked about last week where they have kind of a tourist industry based upon seeing this monster. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vampire Beast of Bladenboro saw a huge economic spike when, what, what was it, 8,000 hunters descended on the town. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. Uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, enjoys its own monster tourism from, the wa- from Mothman. Washington State and Oregon both see amazing amounts of Bigfoot tourism, whether it's real or not. And, like, the Hodag. Remember, we talked about the Hodag mm-hmm. of Rhinelander, right. Wisconsin, which is 100% fake. We know it's fake, but it still lives out in the woods, and it shows up to help drive booster club sales. Like... Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. I think it's so cool. Like, it's these, like, I would almost call it, like, local demigod. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, or, or like, even, um, yeah, and and, uh, and I know this is, like, especially kind of uh, the case in things like Shintoism. But, yeah, the, like, mm-hmm. local kind of guardian spirit deity thing, right? And it's yeah. like no, like this is this is our regional thing, and we're going to protect it, and we're going to, um, yeah, like like have have little festivals or uh, uh, bring out offerings to keep this thing happy. Uh, yeah, we need more yeah. of that. Which I guess I don't know. I maybe maybe this is just because I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, where people go crazy for OSU sports. And we have our own kind of local yokai guardian animal, uh, guardian spirit thing in Brutus Buckeye. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe, yeah, the, the the kind of broader American equivalent to that is, yeah, like sports mascots. Um. <laughs> yeah, Brutus Buckeye comes in the night and he unties the opposing team's laces so they aren't <laughs> as quick on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Raider Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Raider Dave. <laughs> um, these state-sponsored cryptids can also be like an integral, an inter, an integral part of like a nation's history. Mm. Uh, we're gonna cut down to Vietnam to a thirty-acre Huan Kiem Lake, or the Lake of the Returned Sword. It's located in downtown Hanoi, so like the literal middle of the Vietnamese capital. Mm. Well, one of, not the capital, right? No, it's not Hanoi, it's the other one. I should be um, about this. Quezon? Yeah. I, doesn't matter. It's in Hanoi. I'm sorry. I, okay. okay, yeah, yeah. I should know better, but I don't. I, I'm the problem here. <laughs> uh, located in downtown Hanoi. And since the 1990s, a giant soft-shelled turtle has been delighting onlookers. They see it all the fucking time. Uh, by all accounts, this thing... Uh, by all accounts, it maintains this soft-shelled turtle is about 6.5 feet long and 400 pounds. It's nothing at all special, just a colossal soft-shelled turtle that lives in the lake. That's a, oh, that's so goddamn cool, man. 
That's so goddamn cool. Yeah. It, it makes me really happy. Um, according to Turtle Specialist, this is Turtle Specialist, uh, Dong Hai Duck, out of the University of Hanoi, people started seeing, or reported seeing the turtle in 1991. Then in 1993, they saw it coming completely out of the water and walking around on land. In 1998, several turtles were seen with football-sized heads just usually swimming around. So there's now a population of giant turtles with heads as big as footballs. I, and they know it, and they see it, and these people are delighted by it. In 2002, a couple dozen locals and tourists on the aptly named Turtle Tower Inlet saw one just derping around doing turtly things for about 40 minutes. There is picture, there is video, it is blurry because it is 2002 and the future didn't get here till 2004, but you can look at it now, right? Yeah. And so according... To Duck, very little is known about these turtles, other than they are classically cryptids, because there's a ton of anecdotal evidence, but zero actual physical evidence, because what's the biggest thing you need to, like, confirm a cryptid or a murder? A body. Once you have the body, that's all you... That's it. You're good to go. Like, I... Men, if somebody shot Bigfoot, I would be really fucking depressed. Yeah. Duh. A lot of my lifestyle would be validated. So I'd be all right with it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it is one of those, um, yeah, classic uh, Sophie's Choice kind of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have have the idea of Bigfoot live on, but know that? Yeah, it, it is. It's like, oh, well, someone's gonna be like, oh, that, well, that's just a story, you know. Where's a body? Or would you want to have some physical proof, but then maybe that's the last one. And it's like, oh shit, we actually, like, we, and then there aren't any more sites. Man, how screwed up would that be? How fucked up oh, yeah. would that be? It's like, I did it. I finally, like, uh, uh, captured Bigfoot. Uh, I, I, I shot it, and, and here's its body. And then afterwards, there are zero sightings ever again. Like, that was the last. <laughs> that the was last the one. only one. And it was, like, simultaneously <laughs> all over the country, but that was the one. <laughs> oh, man. I completely screwed this up, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not going to bring Bigfoot back, but I am sorry. <laughs> I went down a weird rabbit hole with this a little bit because I needed to really focus on only lake monsters, not like sea monsters and or river monsters, but only like specifically lakes. Right, um, right. But to that end, I read an account of these, they were, Amer- I want to say they're American. They were on an expedition to find like this one type of walrus that was pretty fucking rare. And then they found a, a single group of like, well, I don't know, it was like 14 walruses and they killed like 13 of them to bring back to the S- Smithsonian with them. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> they're like, and they know how rare this thing is. And they're like, all right, yeah, we're, look, there it is. Oh boy, it does exist. <laughs> Kill all but one. Oh, God. Mm. Polata, fucking Dana, man. Yeah, Polata, yeah. <laughs> um, this giant Vietnamese turtle, Josh, is also a little bit of a living legend and mm. has just a touch of history about it. In 1418, the Emperor Li Loi petitioned heaven to help him against the invading Chinese. From the lake came a gigantic tortoise which gifted Loi with a golden sword. 
After defeating the Chinese, the tortoise showed up at a party being held on the bank of the lake at the uh, Turtle Tower Inlet, that's, the, that's why they call it, um, and took the sword back from Loy and went back into the lake. Since 2002, these turtles, whether real or not, have enjoyed protected status both by the Hanoi government as like a mascot and like an or as like its own endangered species type deal, but they're also the mascot of a local campaign to clean up the lake to protect them. Okay, well that's kind of so either kinda these cool. turtles are real and we need to keep them safe, or they're gonna keep the lake clean for us to have future turtle sightings down the line. Kind of like what you were saying. We need to preserve yeah. this Selma so that next generation can have a Selma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can dig that. Hmm. Now, enough about Vietnam. Uh, back in the only country that matters, America. <laughs> um, is another turtle, Josh. Hmm. This one calls the town a Churubusco, Indiana home. And um, so... You're, you're getting pretty good at this, right? You, you, you've seen enough of these lake monster names to kind of get it. Like, So it, it's, it, it comes from Churubusco. Its okay. local name is the Beast of Busco. And if you add the, you know, lake monster suffix, what are you going to get? Oh, no. No, don't, don't make me say it, Mark. <laughs> say it. I want you to say it. I will not stop until I get the turtle please. name that I created. <laughs> please, please don't tell me that people actually call them Bussy. No, they call him Oscar. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> but I wanted to make you say pussy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, th I, I know I said it last episode, too, but thank, thank thanks, Gen Z, for just ruining everything. <laughs> A guy at work told me that you made him choke on his coffee when he heard that line. So good on you, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, whereas the Vietnamese turtle is, like, placid and soft-shelled and adorable, Oscar is the real goddamn American dream. He's an alligator snapping turtle. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These little baby Bowser-looking bastards can top out at 29 inches long and weigh up to 249 pounds and have a bite force of 1,000 pounds. Like, they are literally dinosaurs in their own right. They're they're literally their own type of monster. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I love um, that. But our boy Oscar first appeared in local legend in 1898 when a farmer named Oscar Folk... Oscar, get it? Mm, 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 I see, he I see. talked about seeing a giant turtle living on his seven or, or swimming around in his seven-acre lake on his property, but he didn't do anything about it. He just talked about seeing it. It kind of makes it sound like Folk was just kind of into it. Like, oh yeah, look at that big fucking turtle. That's pretty neat. <laughs> okay, so sorry. he just named it Oscar, and that's all there was to it. Uh, then I, in the nineteenth, oh sorry, no, I, I just I I uh, again maybe this is Edmund Fitzgerald's talking. Um, I'm just remembering the very specific scene from Napoleon Dynamite where he's trying to earn a little extra money and he goes and uh, is uh, uh, collecting eggs and they have lunchtime <laughs> and like the old farmer guy goes, <laughs> I just imagine that's what this guy was like. I found the hard-shelled turtle down the lake. God, whatever. Oh. <laughs> Do you even care about your giant turtle? Oh. Does the giant turtle have large beak? 
The Vietnamese troll gave him a giant sword. Does this one <gasps> give it a bow staff? Oh. <laughs> when when you do that, do you snap your head to the side too? Because <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and you, you like close your eyes like two thirds of the way, kind of go off to the side, kind of stick out your lower lip a bit. Ah, oh, idiot. Oscar, you fat lard! Come get some dinner! Oh. <laughs> Whipping casserole into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Love it. I love it. <clears throat> we didn't hear a lot about Oscar until 1948 when Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson reported seeing Oscar when it surfaced underneath their fishing boat while fishing out on Folk Lake. That's the same folk as in Oscar folk. It was his lake, but it got sold to the town after he died. Because this is, oh, you know, okay. this is 19, this, that was, you know, 60 years or 50 years before this. Mm. Um, so as they're out and on this lake fishing, Wilson reported, Wilson and Oscar both reported seeing something where uh, Aura cried out that he could see the head of something coming out of the water. Oscar started screaming that he could see the back half of something coming out of the water. Oh, um, shit. It came up out of the water, bumped the bottom of the boat, <clears throat> when they determined that this thing was as big around as an antique dining room table. And if that's not the most 1948's explanation I've ever heard, well, <laughs> I don't know what is. Now, oh. it's important to note that both these men were devout Christians who did not drink alcohol, and mm -hmm. they had considered it a mortal sin to lie. And yes, I know, wink, 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 you can't lie. But from all accounts, I listened to a, um, a monster talk by a guy who was like, he did a lot of research on this, and I wish I had his name written down, and I don't, and I'm sorry. Mm. Um, but he was one of the first guys that really got into Oscar okay. and looked into all the stories. And he, spent, he did his um, dissertation on this turtle and then in particular like the local legends and lore that spring up around it and like the then festivals that spring up around that and how it kind of ties in like a neo-american paganism type deal it was really cool talk that's awesome um, that is but he points out how both these guys were devout christians everybody in town is pretty religious but like it really sounds like these are the right type of religious person it's not like the scary type it's just like oh yeah you know i i won't feed you eggs for lunch because jesus said you know Man cannot live on egg alone. Have some, you know, hash browns and bacon, too, when you come visit my farm. <laughs> um, the men, when the men returned to land and they ran down Gail Harris, the at the, that time, the land's owner, they told him what happened. And he said, oh, yeah, there's been a huge fucking turtle in that lake since I've owned it. And I'm paraphrasing, but there was a huge fucking turtle in that lake. <laughs> Being that this is post-war America in the 1940s, when everything is pretty grand, it was a really slow news day. And the story mm. was picked up in Fort Wayne when a reporter when a reporter heard about it, and he just let it spread like wildfire. Yeah, I mean, might as well. Yeah. So, you know what that means, right, Josh? You got a story of a giant turtle. You know what it's... Do you know what it's time to do, buddy? Uh, what, what is it time to do? Ah, uh, it's time to round up a posse, baby. <laughs> Mobs of people descended upon the Harris farm looking for Oscar, and they cartoonishly tried to find it. Once again, we gotta get a Polatadena sound effect for this little bit. The lake was dynamited, dredged, dammed, and then mostly drained. Deep sea divers were brought in, and they failed to see anything because it's a fucking mud lake. 
A photographer from Time Life magazine took almost 300 completely unusable blurry photographs. And these only help to ambiguously add to the legend of Oscar. Because everyone either totally was or totally wasn't this fucking turtle. But hey, we see what we want to see, dog. Isn't that just the most American thing? Like, just immediately, like, dial to 11. Just like, oh yeah, there's maybe a turtle over here. Just mob descends, they're dynamiting the lake, they're bringing in divers. They're just... <laughs> Come on, boys, we gotta get us a picture of that there giant alligator turtle. Snapping turtle. <laughs> So, here we go. All right, so you talking about doing the dot 11. I think this is where they kick it to, to a 12, Josh. Oh, God. Here we go. All right. So, when fire and drainage and dynamite all fail, man, well, what do you do? What do you turn to? That's right. They assume that number one, Oscar must be a boy turtle, and number two, that boy turtle Oscar must be looking for some strain. Oh, no. <laughs> So they trucked in a gigantic female sea turtle that was brought to, Fal- to Folk Lake to Bugs Bunny Oscar out of the out into the open. <laughs> it also killed this p- the sea turtle because they can't really do it in freshwater Indiana lakes. <laughs> it was like, all right, boys, I think I got a new plan. Get them some of that sea tussie. <laughs> <laughs> no cap. Brought a sea turtle to get it horny to come out. I, you and I have covered several beast hunts on this podcast. That is my favorite one. That is more favorite to me than fucking whatever that cat's name was. Not Jacques Portefeuille and Beast Labette. Um, Grenier, Charles Grenier. Oh, yeah. Um, dressing up soldiers as women and putting iron collars around their necks and poisoning their cloaks. Like, oh, my God. This is my more favorite version. Like. It's great. Yeah, it's just, so great. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> However, all of this new action on this poor little seven-acre pond probably killed whatever the fuck was in there. You're along right. with yeah, whatever the fuck was in there, including like all the fish and everything else. And this saltwater sea turtle that they trucked in. Like that thing's dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um Really, the biggest reason... It's kind of like you talked about, the last Bigfoot. They shot the last... They, they oh killed the God. last giant turtle. And yeah, the story kind of ends there. Until a couple years later in 1950, mm-hmm. Josh. Okay. When a local Boy Scout troop decided that they needed a meeting place. However, the town was pretty broke after, you know, not getting that good turtle money from tourists anymore. And so they couldn't really pony up the cash. Mm. But uh, two pioneering individuals said, Well, hey, remember that fucking turtle? What if we had a party for the turtle? And they held the first ever annual Turtle Days Festival. Oh. To celebrate the life and times and sightings of the may or may not exist Beast Oscar. And guess what? It raised the funds for the Boy Scout Hall. And the Turtle Days Festival still is held every year. And it's important to note that it is a big part of the local community. And you and I are going to fucking go this June, Josh, because COVID did not kill this turtle. Here we go. Yeah, COVID did not kill. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, is it like early June, mid June, late June? June? I don't know. We're going. Doesn't matter. Okay, cause well, cause if it's late June, uh, uh, well, hey, Mrs. Wizard, guess what we're doing for our ten year anniversary? That's right. We're going to Turtle Fest. 
We're going to Turtle Days with Mark in Churubusco, Indiana. <laughs> well, shoot, that's just right next door to us, too. That's just one state over. Yeah. Got wow. Him. Yeah, it'll be held this year, the 72nd. Oh, that's 2022. Sorry, I lied. Mm. They do not have their schedule for 2023 quite yet, but okay, okay. there's active well, yeah. update alert. We will, we will wait with bated breath uh, to see when the, uh, <laughs> when the festival is. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> the, the Beast of Busco. It's literally nothing at all, but it is because, of course, Oscar is real. Because, of course, the Vietnamese turtles are real. Because, of course, yeah. Selma and Ogopogo and Chessie and Bussy and Kusi <sighs> and Ishi and all of them. Right? And my and my WAP, my wet ass plesiosaur. They're all real. They're all, <laughs> of course, they're all real, even if we don't know. <laughs> but what if we want to know? Well, we already mm. talked about it. How do you know definitively? You get a body, Josh. Yeah. You get a body. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, you know, what do we do? My name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. Your name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And you're a wizard. Um, yep. I don't know if Scooby-Doo bullshit might be a viable career path for us. But what if we were to, like, find, wink, 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 a monster on our soon-to-be Missile Silo podcast castle? <gasps> that would be incredible. What if we did? That would yeah, be, I guess it's up to us two wizards to uh, round up our own posse mm-hmm. and maybe go fishing for one. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we already know the best spots to find lake monsters, Josh. Deep, cold lakes with underground passages most mm-hmm. of the time. They can't really freeze over except for Okanagan, but hey, it's got those underwater passages, so it's all good. It also needs a big sustainable biomass, like yeah. anything. But, you know, it's like T-Rex. It doesn't want to be fed. It wants to hunt. And what's the best way to hunt? That's right. We're going to go fishing, buddy. And to do that, to go after a lake monster, we're going to need a real special rig. And I am super glad that I am in the position I am now where the Dangle Podcast Instagram has become all, like, deep sea fishing videos. And my personal Instagram has become all, like, freshwater giant fish fishing videos. Oh, sweet. Okay. I present to you... Oh, sorry. Oh well. Uh, uh, also, listeners, uh, rewind a little back, uh, uh, a little bit. Go back to the archive and listen to our fishing episode because that I think is also gonna, gonna maybe help help prime and get you get you excited for fishing for lake monsters too. Sorry, just a little plug there. No, no, not at all. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that these things are just pretty big. We know they're all big. We know they're big. We know they're strong and. Assuming that they're cold water, I'm going to assume they kind of fight like a lake trout. They're going to be real strong. They're going to go for a long time. You know what else is real strong and goes for a long time? My dick. You know what else is real strong and goes for a long time? Tuna. I'm obsessed with <laughs> giant tuna fishing. Um, for big tuna, they can fight for literal hours, and they become fucking colossal. The largest tuna ever caught was 16 feet long and weighed one ton. That's um, um, also listeners go read the old man in the sea and yes I know that's that's a Dorado that's a saltwater thing but read that book but then just imagine instead of Santiago getting dragged around the sea he's getting dragged around a lake um, do that the old man Jonesy had taken the young boy Josh out on the ocean with him for seventy two <laughs> days for seventy two days they caught nothing at all. <laughs> Um, oh, I didn't write this one down either. It's one of the big tuna profiles that I follow. I don't oh. know. Um, so their given rig for like their biggest tuna that they catch is a six foot conventional stand up rod weighted for 130 pound test mono, a lever drag conventional reel, 
rated for 80 pound mono, a 200 pound rated mainline, so 200 pound Holy test mainline. That's that's insane. That's is insane. A 130 pound mono leader and a ball bearing swivel that can hold up to they can take 400 pounds of force. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. That's beastly. Crazy. That, that, I yeah, have beastly. fought so hard to not send you every giant tuna video I've watched <laughs> in the last couple days because I am I, I am becoming a man obsessed. Like between those and giant grouper and Wells catfish, I can't handle myself anymore. Like yeah, no. Well, there was there was a hot minute, um, and we've kind of gotten away from it and then sort of gone back in. Um, uh, uh, as the Mrs. Wizard and I would wind down in the evenings and just kind of put on something kind of mindless uh, to yeah to, to sort of ease you into sleep. Um, uh, the YouTube algorithm kicked out these like Japanese restaurants, like a day in the life of a Japanese restaurateur. And it's like some guy who you know gets to work at four a.m., starts making dashi, um, uh, makes his udon noodles or whatever, and then he, and then it's like the like lunch service. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and it is it's, it's very zen, it's very chill. You're just watching this this guy who's been doing this for thirty years, and his family's been doing it for like four hundred years. <laughs> Making udon noodles, um, yeah. but then all, but then also kind of like related to that is like, hey, sometimes they'll go to the fish market and there are giant goddamn tunas that they like haggle over and like what is the best piece and yeah, those, those things are monstrous, enormous. Really, they're kind of horrifying. Like yeah, no, truly, like they they, they have like entire cleavers and like axes to break these tuna down to sell them to restaurants. It's amazing. Ah, yeah, they are monstrous. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, One of these days, speaking of giant axes and cleavers and, like, hunting down and stuff, like, when I learn how to become more sensitive, we're going to cover whaling. Because I think it's super cool how, like, barely technological man just decided we're going to hunt these things and then, like, perfected it. Right, yeah. In a time Mm. before steam power. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, dudes are... Yeah, like rowing a boat, <laughs> and then they have to yeah. pick up spears like at the same time and try and uh, uh, take down this thing that is yeah like the same size as their vessel. It's it, yeah, I I agree that maybe it'll take sixty feet of literal muscle. Like yeah, and yeah. and it will kind of take some time to for, for us to like approach and that that topic in a way that is both. Yeah, re- respectful and sensitive. But yeah, holy shit, man. Like, whale- well, because we got a little bit into that in the Antarctic episode, right? Yeah. We yeah, well, no, because it was the first whale, uh, the whale, uh, the whale, the whalers and the sealers that were the first ones to get down yeah. there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there was yeah, a, I, what? It was the American whaler, I want to say, that, like, he was the first one to get, like, down that far or something. Yeah, I think I remember. I think I remember that. Because it was the Russians first, and then it was some... Well, first it was the Aboriginals, and then it was the Russians, and then it was... Yeah. yeah. I need to go... Go back... Hey, guys, go back and listen to our, our Antarctic episode. That one's really yeah. good, too. Yeah, good deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. So we probably have our big, you know, $2,000 tackle rig, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And we got our tackle all rigged up. So now we got to master our bait, Josh. Yes. Yeah, always. Yes. For always. You, well, it, and it's even for your own health. You, you, you need to master your bait. Yeah. Got to master that bait. Know exactly 
what you're doing. Don't stray too far, but you get creative. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, well, and mix it up. Don't just do the same thing each time because then, you know, yep. you start to lose some sensitivity. So, yeah, absolutely. All I'm saying is, use your left hand sometimes to master that bait. And 20 years down the road, you'll be thanking yourself that you weren't mastering your bait the exact same way every single time. There's nothing more embarrassing than a fisherman who only knows how to use the rod with the right arm. You gotta also master the left arm to use the rod, otherwise the one bicep gets all big and weird looking. And then your fucking <laughs> forearm gets all big and wonky, and every no one knows that you are just unbalanced yep. at best, and yep. hey, nothing to excess and all things in balance, right buddy? <laughs> Which is also where the Greeks came right. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, world. God, Snoop Dogg wine is strong. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yes. Thank you. We yes. are two men in their 30s. Uh, okay, yes. So. Yes. Now, we have mastered our... Ta or so we have, you know, rigged up our tackle. We've mastered mm -hmm. our baits. Made yeah. sure to switch hands. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't go fishing without something in a cooler. Josh, what's oh, sure. in your wizard's cooler? Well, uh, fortunately, I have another bottle of... Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, so bottoms up. Yeah, but not bottoms up as in like we capsize and. Uh, as in the, the, the way the Edmund Fitzgerald's bottom went yeah. up when it split in half and too dumped soon. all its tack and I to work across. Still too soon. Still too soon, Josh. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Gordon Lightfoot intensifies. <laughs> He's going to sue us this week because I put it in this time, damn it. I've been threatening it. Oh, it's, it's been playing this whole time. <laughs> I'm like going to sleep tonight and I hear the wow, wow. Here's like, what's that? Is that a guitar playing? What is that? Gordon Lightfoot just shaking his head and a single tear rolls down his, rolls down his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark, what's in your wizard's cup? <laughs> Snoop Dogg wine. 19 crimes. Callie Red. I'm about halfway through my bottle. Okay, very good. I very drank good. the whole bottle last time. We'll see if I do it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck, that was a good episode, even if my mic was yeah. a little bit hot. Yeah, true, um, true. Yeah. God, I was so mad my mic was hot in that. I was just like, God damn it. Yeah, it looks like it's better yeah, it, tonight, though, so. Yeah. Who can? Yeah. It, it's amazing to me how two and a half years later I can still fuck up the most nothing at all. You know? <laughs> yeah, it... But again, if that isn't life, you know. I, well, okay, going back to uh, Oscar. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Like, what if there was that one kind of like calm, rational voice? Is like, well, hey, you know, maybe to search for this turtle, you know, we could get a small group of people together and we can go through it. And then just everybody just takes that and, run with, and runs with it. And so this guy's like blaming himself for years afterwards. Like, I probably killed this, <laughs> this turtle here. But, but no, you, you can't be beating yourself up for that. It's fine. In a suicide note, I, I murdered Oscar. And the cops find out who the fuck was Oscar. Who was Oscar? All right, boys. No, no, you don't understand. Spotty. My granddad was insane. He thought he killed a giant turtle. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you're, you, 
so okay. I, I'm sorry. It's, it it no, has no, it's been okay. what two years since you and I were two hobbits, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Wow, mm -hmm. like two years almost to the day. Holy shit! Yeah. Happy Hobbitversary. Happy, um, happy Hobbitversary. <laughs> we did our fishing episode. Um. So, and I guess I didn't ask you. Um, when you were a kid, did you dig your own worms? You know what I mean? Uh, well, we did not. That was not in the biosphere of Alamosa, Colorado, un unfortunately. Um, okay, okay. But a couple of times, um, see, my um, has been. Oh, oh my God! So, well, I'll tell that story, and, and then I'll then I'll uh, relate what my epiphany was. Um, but then when we would go visit my grandparents who lived in Wisconsin on a farm, yeah, mm -hmm. we would we would every so often, um, yeah, go. We would go fishing, which would include stopping at yeah the the tackle shop and like getting getting some night crawlers but then jake and i because we were second third grade fourth grade something like that yeah we would make the attempt to at least try and get our own um uh worms there also yeah. Yeah. since we're talking about lake monsters uh on and also as um uh, told, retold on the fishing episode, uh, Jake was responsible for making a lake monster of his own. When he... Tell that story again. That's a really good okay, story. Tell that story. So, yes, we were out um, visiting grandparents uh, uh, who had a farm. Uh, they raised, ra raised sheep. Uh, and, and they also had this little, this little pond um, right on their property that... Uh, they would stock it with tilapia, uh, or or like other farmers would 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 stock it with tilapia, and then they grow up and or they would yeah they would mature and then they get sold off. So it's ways to make a little extra money. Uh, and one visit up there, uh, went fishing and we uh, had some catfish that uh, we caught. And so as our uh, grandparents are, yeah, but like we get back and the grandparents are like, all right, let's, let's, um, get started cooking some of these or, or getting some other things ready for dinner. Um, well, my, my older brother, Jake, again, it was, I don't know, third grade, fourth grade, something like that. Um, inadvertently let the catfish out, uh, in this <laughs> pond where there are all these little baby tilapia worth whatever amount of money, um, and I and didn't tell anybody. Either was embarrassed to, or didn't think it was a big deal. Um, and so visit was over. Hey, that was a lot of fun. Bye, love you. See, <laughs> see, see you next time. And then months down the line, when these tilapia should have been ready to harvest, uh, they were nowhere to be seen. But what was somewhere to be seen was this giant fucking catfish that gulped all those suckers down. <laughs> <laughs> and for years the mister is like how did this catfish get into the pond it doesn't make any sense and then the truth eventually came out <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, that is good so so yeah so if when we do get the uh podcastle going there and that uh, abandoned missile silo in Maine, and we stock our own lake, and we make our own lake monster. Hey, I I know a guy who has firsthand experience <laughs> in creating a lake monster. <laughs> Jake the Dirt Wizard, who created a catfish lake monster. Remember the catfish in Japan that caused earthquakes? It's that all coming together, buddy. 
It is, man. The stars, huh. the stars are aligning. The orbs are resonating. They're starting to sing. It's all coming yep. together. Yes, they are, buddy. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, it is. Um. Anyway, back at the plot. Um. Back my initial plot. point was, you, you, if you dug your own worms, I I used to dig my own worms. I have very fond memories of like. My granddad would run the sprinklers in the backyard, and then uh, me and my brother would go out with flashlights and just pick along the edge of the fence because all the nightcrawlers would come out there. We'd go fishing the next morning and, you know, just knock them dead with our home-caught worms. All this is to say, Josh, I'm a big believer in sometimes you got to go catch your own bait. Mm-hmm. So real quick, we're going to... Wow. So real quick, we're going to make a uh, just a quick tour to a couple uh, lake monsters in their own right that might be bait for a slightly bigger lake monster. Okay, all right. Now, worms are really good bait for some fish like trout, but there is a second master bait, a stronger master bait, for they were all of them to see you for this second master bait was forged in the fires of Mordor because it's literally a hell beast. That's right. I'm talking leeches, Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, according to Cherokee legend, there is a junction between the Hiawassee and the Valley Rivers in North Carolina. And North Carolina, this area is called Talianusi, or the place of the leech. Hmm. Another tribe in this area warned the Cherokee passing through to not go up that rud, because the giant leeches live in an underwater cavern up that rud, and it connects to other rivers in the road that also have giant leeches. These giant leeches will kill a man and exsanguinate him almost instantly. And they're oh, wow. so big, they use their white bodies to whip up, you know, uh, 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 disturbances and waves on the lake surface to knock people out of their canoes and then eat them. <laughs> now, obviously, this is all bullshit, Josh. Sure. Um, yeah. But leeches, in, well, not bullshit, but, you know, I, I hate to call, like, indigenous tribal lore bullshit, but it's bullshit. We don't have giant bullshit. leeches in North Carolina. Yeah. Um... But we do have giant leeches in the world. The Amazonian giant leech can get upwards of 18 inches long. I mean, that's... I would call that a giant leech. I would call that a giant leech. And even more horrifying is the uh, 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 Asian buffalo leech. Ooh, okay. These things are horror incarnate. You should be receiving a picture of one right about now. It's going to ruin your day. Oh boy! All right, listeners, here we go. Live reaction. Oh my god! And it's attached <laughs> to someone's arm. Yes, it is. Oh fuck! Now, that. if that didn't ruin your day enough, I suggest going to bogleech.com, which is your premier internet source for all things sangrophage. That's right, blood eaters. They say that leeches are some of the best pets that you can keep. And big old boys like that guy that I just sent you, Josh, only really need to be fed about two times a year. And they're fun to watch in the waters they swim around. Oh, no, thank you, sir. Look, like, we wizards are accustomed to seeing things that you don't want to see. Uh, But that is something I do not want to see. (laughs) I don't want to see a happy little leech. I don't want to see a happy little leech swimming through an aquarium. No, No, man. Because also we can we can say that like the the happy little leeches like wriggling about are gross in their own right like <laughs> that's fucking awful. <laughs> no, it's all right. We can we can keep going. It, it'll just it'll just be again. This is one of the things we wizards look at these things and freak out about them so that you don't have to. Uh, well, there's one more for you to freak out at. Oh boy. Okay, here we are. Ooh, baby, what the. F- 
I hate that one more. I hate that one yeah. more because see the one on the bottom that's like looking up listeners. Two Wizards Pod, see one on Twitter. These will be up on there. Um, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yep. Yep. Those are those are giant leeches. Or giant leeches. Those are giant fucking leeches. Again, listeners, you'll get to see this. Now, Josh, leeches are lovely, but quite frankly, a couple years ago, you did something horrible to me, and you took my cornbread and replaced it with frogs, and I've still got an axe to grind, and I'm a competent bass fisherman of my own right, and you know what catches bass like nothing else? That's right, buddy, fucking frogs, because they're oh. back in my head, and they're singing tales of fisherman glory, but this time they're singing tales of glory out of John LeMay's Southerners versus Saurians. This is the account of a giant frog found in a cave in South Colum- or in South Carolina County, Columbia, uh, near Indian Camp Spring. So, this is 1869, and yes, to be fair, a spring might not quite be a lake, but I'm getting a little bit liberal because frogs are terrestrial. So, you know, you can't yeah. you can't fence a frog in, is my point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, this is written to a Mr. Horsley. Having a large cave within short distance of my house and having the excited curiosity of my two little boys, aged respectively 11 and 13, they ventured this morning to explore the hidden wonders of the cave with torches in hand. When they were terrified and er, where they were terribly startled by the appearance of a monster frog as large as as large as a hogshead that they said attacked them in the cave as they came running up to me in the house. So, what does this guy do, Josh? That's right, this Mr. Lamb Matthews. Well, he rounds up a posse, Josh. <laughs> he rounds up the good Mr. W.D. Matthews, a Mr. J.W.B. Thomas, a Mr. Richard McCandless, and a geologist named Dixon, and a man named John Dew, and a man named Porter. All these cats trek up to this cave to find this giant frog. And he relates again in the letter. In short time, we fixed up three torches, procured some candles and a lantern, and we proceeded to our voyage of discovery. Mr. Thomas led the van into the cavern, whose gloominess produced a chilling melancholy. But the indomitable Mr. Thomas and daring Matthews and Porter, and this just so reads like a fucking Lovecraft bit, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) This is just Dunwich Horror. This is like Armitage (laughs) up on the mountain with his, like, nerd squad fighting the Yogg-Sothoth. Like, um... Mm. Yeah, sorry, here we go. Um... Uh, the indomitable Thomas and daring Matthews and Porter prevented by telling the party, we can whip all the frogs in creation. Porter is pumping them up for frog poundage. <laughs> we wended our way slowly in the place of my, where my son saw the frog. And sir, I do say to you without exaggeration, that frog was not near as large as my children said it was. But it was undoubtedly the largest specimen I had ever heard of or seen in any other state. We advanced within about 20 feet and halted. It was sitting with its side to us, with all of our torches brought upon it, it turned slowly facing us, and such a hideous sight I had never before beheld. Its eyes glistened in the torchlight. It made an impression upon me, and in fact upon the whole party, that we trembled as if in the presence of a real demon. For all my imaginations of the appearance of a demon, I must acknowledge that I never conceived anything would be calculated to fill the mind with such horror as this. Uh, so they fought the frog and ran the fuck away from it. It's about the size of the story. It's it's a really fun story, guys. Southerners versus Sorens. John Lemay, go look into it. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about cave frogs really quick. You know, American bullfrogs they get colossal and yeah. they're great. Um, as great as that amphibian is, I have another amphibian that's even better. 
Okay. Uh, salamanders. Um, again, I do like oh, to yeah. fish for uh, largemouth bass, and the mm -hmm. salamander plastic rigs are deadly. Apparently, they're delicious if you're a hungry fish, and mm -hmm. just that cast is like of the that body type seems to be really good at tripping whatever it is that like makes a fish want to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever. The like is just right, and they mm, yeah yeah mm. they just get it. Okay. All right. So, um, we've got two spots in America to source this bait, and it literally stretches coast to coast. And the first one is in my home state of New York, not too far from my hometown, um, where the state-sponsored cryptid named Oogie, and according, this is all from mythicalbeastwars.com, uh, this giant salamander named Oogie is a 20-foot-long salamander that lives in the ultra-polluted Onondaga Lake. Oh, um, so, a couple... The, the the origin myths of Oogie, the lake salamander, are varied and different. Uh, one theory is that it's just a big fucking salamander or catfish. Another is that it was a pet salamander released into the ultra-polluted lake, which was also full of uh, toxic waste dumpage. Mm -hmm. This is true. And it, you know, made it into a lake monster. Or, or the very lake mud itself came to life and produced a beast named Ugi, not unlike Hedora the Smog Monster in the Japanese classic Godzilla vs. Hedora. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, okay, so, when, about when did Ugi first sort of, yeah, when did the Ugi legends start, start to appear? 1970s, when dumping in the lake had reached critical mass. Yeah, well, because... And, and I, I know that's a little bit after Godzilla, but, like, goddamn, if that isn't, like, the most American-ish Godzilla thing, like, uh, hey, the EPA won't be um, commissioned for, like, another four years. Quick, everybody, dump all this shit into, <laughs> into the lake. And then here comes Oogie, the giant, the giant salamander, as a result of that. <laughs> <laughs> um... To be fair, Godzilla vs. Hedorah came out in 1971, so... Okay. Yeah. Also, Let's... that's the best Godzilla movie if you guys are looking for a Godzilla movie. Mm, Alright. Two Wizards Super good. recommends. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, Two Wizards might watch it as a cinema series. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. It, 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 it has been a while since we've done a cinema series, and I think some classic Godzilla... And maybe we'll kind of do what we did with... Uh, Mortal Kombat, too, right? Like, we'll, we'll watch some old Godzilla and we'll watch some new ones, maybe. The 1998 Roland Emmerich classic. <laughs> Starring Matthew Broderick. <laughs> I was 11 uh, years old and I watched that. And even, and even at the tender age of 11, I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> There's your fucking lake monster, God. <laughs> but I hope I don't see it for another 20 years. Um, so, like I said, Oogie is literally a giant salamander. Um, sometimes it's just a salamander, or sometimes sometimes it's covered in trash. And it kind of makes me think of, like, a Pokemon in that right. Oh, okay. I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. like, it honestly sounds just like a muck. You know, the slime yeah. got so bad it animated. Well, um, yeah, or, uh, 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 what's a... Because isn't one of the, like, starters, I think in, like, Gen 4? Um, isn't that, like, a kind of gecko-y thing? What do I think? That's a leaf? Oh, Pokemon? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Trico is in Gen three, and that's like the little or gecko three. guy. So, so yeah, then, so like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, uh, if a muck falls on one of those things, then yeah, boom, you get Oogie. 
<laughs> because, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so once again, Josh, uh, this creature was backdoored into being real, quote unquote, when um, the local governor declared it an endangered species and named it the local mascot in the cleanup lake Onondaga campaign. Mm. Yeah. Which, well, I kinda also fun, like that too. Cute and we still see Ugi to this day, allegedly. I don't. Ugi was a tough one. I, he was kind of hard to run down. Listeners in New York, do you know about Ugi? Tell me more about Ugi. Well, no, I, I, I don't. But I do like, uh, as with the case with Selma, where it's like, all right, hey, we're we're using this opportunity to to do some tangible, concrete good in the community, chiefly cleaning up and like preserving our natural. Uh, yeah, like resources in our, in our in, in environment here. So, I mean, boo for dumping all that shit there in the first place, but yay for cleaning it up after a mutant salamander may or may not be prowling. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I also um, have, I'll, a, I, just also very quickly, I, I also have a special place in my heart for Oogie uh, because my very first pet was a salamander. Because um, I was, uh, oh, I was probably eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that, late middle school, early high school, just dorking around in the backyard one day. And we had, there was sort of like a concrete sidewalk uh, going from the back of the house to the alley where the trash bins were. But it had been, even before we bought the house and moved in, it was kind of broken up and, and kind of crappy. We had a real crappy backyard in that house. Um but I was, you know, out there dorking around one day, turning over slabs of busted cement sidewalk as a teenage boy is wont to do. Um, and yeah, lo and behold, uh, here's this like black and yellowish salamander thing. That's there's there's a little bit of moisture and it's cool under there. And I just happened to overturn this thing. It's like, oh shit, look at this. Um, <laughs> and we just happened to have a glass tank. Why did we have a glass tank the size of an aquarium terrarium? Don't ask me. We did. And so, yeah, that is how Harold the Salamander came to live <laughs> came to live with us. Yeah. And I, I, I even forget how I named him Harold. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was cute. And, and, and he was with us for a couple of years. Um, my mom kind of shanghaied him into being uh, her classroom pet because she was still teaching second grade oh, at, at that time. Yeah. So she shanghaied she, she him being into, uh, yeah, she press ganged him into doing that. Uh, and then one winter forgot to bring him home. And apparently over winter break, the custodial staff didn't keep the, the heaters on quite as well. And so Harold... Oh, no. Harold froze. <laughs> Harold, no. But he got a good two or three years in, so that's okay. I'm, I'm sure that's better. And he was outside in Alamosa, Colorado, where winters get to like minus thirty. So yeah. if anything, yeah, I don't, I don't know how he got there in the first place. I don't, I didn't think Alamosa had a native salamander population, but hey, that's how I got a salamander. It might surprise you to know, Josh, that salamanders occur throughout most of the continental U.S. Okay. Well, hey, yeah. there you go. Yeah. In one way or another, yeah. <laughs> we had a retaining pond where they would... So, like, in the spring it would rain and fill up the pond. Um, and then they would come up out of the dirt. They'd just, they'd just be down there. 
and they'd Ooh. come up and they'd chill and they'd do their thing and they'd make their little salamander babies and the pond would dry up and there'd be nothing and next spring there's more salamanders. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um. Anyway, sorry. Um. No. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, where am I? Oh, that's where we are. The Trinity Mountains in California. There are numerous sightings and sometimes capture but never specimen retrieval of salamanders that average better than two feet long. Um, like I just said, salamanders do range throughout most of the United States, but they don't get that big. They top out about 12 inches. Uh, hellbenders in the American South can get a little bit bigger, but not two feet long. Um, these are real. These are real, and we just can't really confirm it. Again, like, it's 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 the giant turtle. It's, it's there. We yeah. know it's there. We just don't know that it's there. One expedition to lead their, or to prove their existence was led by the insane billionaire Tom Slick. We covered him in our uh, North Pole cryptids. He, oh, right, helped right, right. Do th- he was the one that chartered the uh, flights over Lake Iliamna to find Illy. Because he was an insane billionaire. This guy's yeah. probably going to get his own episode. Because I like nothing better than a billionaire who blows his money on trying to find cryptids. I think that's so yeah. cool. Um, he even reported... Uh, he went on a couple of these expeditions. Uh, he reported seeing them. He tried to catch them, but they're salamanders. They're kind of tough to catch. Maybe yeah. they should have had a, lo- a young Josh Streeter with them to <laughs> pot it up. But who knows? <laughs> um, again, salamanders live in California, but they don't live in the Trinity Mountain range. They're just, they don't live up there. They're, they don't belong where they're finding them up in this lake. And yet they are just this one little population, this breeding population of giant salamanders that we can't confirm, but we can't also deny it out of hand. Um, r- really real cryptids, I guess is what you would call that. Like, okay. This yeah. is our Okapi, this is our giant panda, this is our lowland gorilla, this is our coelacanth. These things exist, people see them, we just can't prove that they exist until we get the damn body. Hmm. Um, I think, though, Josh, we might be masterfully baited up. We should go <laughs> catch us a lake monster. And most of this we can stay for in America. And I want to make a point now to say, hey, we're going to be looking at gigantic fish. This is... This is where Two Wizards gets a little fishy, because we are going to go fishing for a giant lake monster. Starting off in Colombia, Josh. In Lake Tota in the Colombian Andes lives the Diablo Balena, or the Devil Whale. It was first reported by the native uh, Misca tribe for centuries. They reported a giant bull-headed thing. They made a point to say that it it had a bull's head with, like, horns and, like, the snout. Uh, they called this uh, Muso Aguake, or the Forest Dragon. Then post-conquistador invasion in the 1600s, because Colombia got hit really bad with that one, um, yeah. a lot of uh, whites also saw it. Ooh. Priest and historian Lucas Fernandez de Padrajita, he reported that in his, in his general history of conquest of New Granada, that Lake Tota was the place in which a fish with a black head like an ox was larger than a whale. Uh, he related the sighting of a man named Quesada, who said that trusted persons and Indians affirmed that there was a devil in the lake. That sightings of this beast actually were, or so, 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 let me try this again. Quesada reported that people, that, so both like trusted, like, you know, white folks, wink, 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 and the Indians both affirmed that there was a devil living in the lake. Um, they reported seeing it in 1652. Hmm. Um, he also, so Casada also mentions that the lady, so the, the, I, so the lady of the country, so like the governess, 
uh, uh, Donna Andrea Vargas, she also reported having seen it often. Uh, in 1796, a French diplomat and explorer, explorer Gaspard Molien, reported in his The Journey of Gaspard that superstition has continued to inhabit the places concerning horrific wonders. Indeed, the rugged looks of the region, suspended water, so to speak, and so the height is always agitated with the wind blowing from Tuxilo. The most elevated wetlands of Lake Tota, a slimy substance, oval with unpleasant water, like... Si like the sand of its beaches, everything tends to arouse surprise. According to people in the region, the lake is not navigable. There is an evil creature that inhabits the depths of its dwellings. They say one can see it in the gateways if they stay from, away from the shores and head toward the middle of the lake. And occasionally out in the abyss, the monster fish can be only seen briefly. He also nailed this coffin shut when he reported that Lake Tota was a... Lake Tota temperature was very, very wet, or, or sorry, sorry, he reported that the temperature was very, very cold, and the lake is a bluish color with, um, thick, un with thick water not unlike seawater. It sounds a lot like Okanagan. Hmm. Um, the lake's water is also agitated because of the storms that blow in from the Tuxilo off the mountains, um, and in the middle of the lake are some islands that are said to have underground passages, but people don't go out into them. Just like what, Josh? That's right. Lake Okanagan and <laughs> Rattlesnake slash Monster Island. But this is a hundred years before we got there. Oh, wow. On, in this fucking southern hemisphere. Like, hmm. ha 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 ha. Uh, sightings of this creature cut out around post-1900s and are now pretty much non-existent, but some people say they might see something in the area. But there's also a theory that this creature didn't die, but it escaped into the local rivers because there's stories of a big black thing with a bull's head in the rivers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What else could it be? What else could it be? Um, still in South America, and this one, this one's weird. I mean, they're all weird, but this one gets real weird. This is slightly smaller, but maybe even more horrifying because of the amounts of cases of attacks on humans that are verified. Oh, wow. This is a thing called El, uh, El Cuero, or the Hyde. It lives high in a, Ch in a Chilean lake called Lacar. Haha, ha, what's that, Josh? Yes, a high glacial lake in the mountains. Hmm. Where it is described to be about five feet wide. And takes the appearance of stretched cowhide, where it takes its name. El Cuero means hide. Which is what you should do if you see this thing, even though, you know, it's not the right function of the worm or of the word. But it's probably already too late. This thing is nicknamed the Aquatic Tiger because it is so aggressive. And it will just attack humans out in the open. What it likes to do is lie in wait in open water just like a crocodile, and then jumps out of the water and smothers its victim, and then, extending a large proboscis, exsanguinates them. Which means what? That's right, drains them of all their blood. <laughs> However, El Cuero is not just localized to the one lake in Argent it, it, to this one high mountain lake in Chile. They are also reported throughout Argentina. And the general theory is that it's probably just pissed off freshwater stingrays that are, in fact, endemic to the region. Mm. It also might be a rogue, angry Mata Mata turtle, which don't get that big, but apparently they're aggressive. Or a bizarre, colossal nudibranch. Or sea slug. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have explanation for that one, but it scares the shit out of me. A lot of people talk about getting attacked by El Cuero. Like... 
Yeah, I... Man. Well, and, and that these are like attacks on human beings that can yeah. report back afterwards. That That's where... Like, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh yeah, this thing keeps like... Uh, taking out my my sheep or my goats, but no, if it's it's coming after people, yeah, that's also extra unsettling. Yeah, it's mm. it gets weird. Um, anyway, enough about South America. We're going to back to North America into pretty much your own backyard, there, good buddy. Oh. Um, and I'm sure that maybe even you can attest to this. I'm sure you've picked up a little bit of local lore about gigantic. Uh, lake fish cryptids living in the lake but have you heard of the Lake Erie Chomper Josh ooh uh, kind of sounds familiar what What do you know well uh, isn't this also maybe I'm thinking of something else okay um, I, I, you know I, I was just curious because it yeah. sounded like it kind of kicked something but yeah I because because and maybe I'm also kind of getting mixed up with last episode too, where uh, isn't there also like a like a Lake Erie Nessie equivalent kind of thing? Yes, but I don't there, th- yeah, there there also is, yeah. Okay, but yeah, but it's not this one. I think that's what Hussy. I think is in Hussy, something like that. Erie. What? A, yeah, what something Hussie. like that. Um. Every Great Lake has like three monsters in it. I'm pretty damn sure. Okay, at this all point. right, yeah, fair enough. Okay, so so no, I guess I guess I haven't heard about. It. The Lake Erie. No, that's that. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, um, the uh, the Lake Erie Chomper takes a page out of El Cuero's book, where it is highly aggressive and attacks swimmers in Lake Erie. The first incident was recorded at Pump House Beach in Port Dover, Ontario, when a 47-year-old Brenda McCormick was trying to beat a particularly hot summer day in 2001 by going for a swim when she felt something toothy makes a point <gasps> to say toothy oh, my bite her on the calf. Ugh, it then took a giant chunk out of it, a perfect six-inch wide perfect circle, like you would kind of see in shark bites. Mm. The next day, a man and his son were also attacked, and the boy had to be taken to a local hospital to be treated for his wounds. Now, there's only two sightings of the chomper, but one doctor, Harold Hinch, examined the three victims and their wounds and said definitively that they could not be made by a goby, a lamprey, a snapping turtle, a walleye, or a muscalunge fish, all mm. which would be normal and endemic to the lake. Okay. His best guess was that it might be mating bowfin, which are said to be highly territorial. Given that it's hot summer days, it was probably mating bowfin biting people. Oh, okay. I mean, that makes sense. However... However, Josh, there might also be an unseen horror here. Uh Uh-oh. In the usually placid and vegetarian paku fish, or the giant version of the Amazonian piranha, these get about three feet wide. They're huge. They're colossal. Jesus, yeah. And they have a set of human-looking teeth. They use these human-looking teeth to grind up their favorite food when it falls in the water. Tree nuts. Now, this is all well and good if you're a paku living in South America. However... It is also alleged that Paku will feast on their second favorite food, human nuts. They have been known, or at least reported, to bite the testicles of nude male swimmers because their balls look just like their favorite food nuts. There's a case of male Danish swimmers who were allegedly bit in Baltic waters by a Paku. 
Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Also, a woman was attacked in the Philippines by one, but that was just, it, it bit her. It, it, or not okay. the Philippines, New Zealand. Um, it mm. had no business being there, and it bit her. But it was, it's funny. I don't care. It's funny. <laughs> she got bit by a fish. Uh, Snopes will tell you that this is not real. I don't care. if there's. I am going to wear my swim trunks, because, of course, Paku live in freshwater ponds and will bite my goddamn nuts off. I have heard story. I've heard like anecdotal shit about. I always hear the story of like there was one swimmer in in swimming in a Baltic lake that got bit on the nut and lost a nut, and they blamed the paku, but they couldn't. It's one of those things. It's just so close to like being modern times. It was like nine. It was like two thousand something seven or six. It was like that, and it's so close to being modern times where we just can right. Google anything. But it's also close enough to, like, no, it was in the Baltic. It was a Danish guy. There's there's enough separation from, like, the American idea of, like, reporting shit that it just doesn't matter. I can only... Uh, I can just... I can almost hear it now, where it's like, um, uh, Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Two Paku podcast. Uh, and today we're going to loosen our fins and talk about junk food. Have you ever had Baltic oysters? <laughs> I love Baltic oysters. Tell our listeners, what are Baltic oysters? Oh, man, Baltic oysters. So you got to wait until, like, when it gets really hot in, like, August, right? And you're going to be swimming around, doing your thing. And then you're going to look up and see, like, these two sticks just kind of floating there. And there's a slightly smaller stick sitting atop the two most luscious set of tree nuts you've ever seen. You just go up and get those bad boys. Um... They got some like curly, like wiry chocolate shavings on there too. I don't mind them. I'm into it. It's great. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Two Paku. Two Paku. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy. Woo. These Edmund Fitzgeralds are great beers. Can I just say? <laughs> yes, you can, sir. Uh, speaking of giant fish and fish stories, uh, tales of Musculunge or giant Musculunge dominate the Great Lakes region. Again, this one, mm. there's one in Wisconsin. There's a giant fiberglass muskie that is, like, famous because it's like, oh, yeah, he lived in the lake, and now this is him, and it's not, but it's, like, 60 feet in fiberglass. They're in every single lake. Um, in some cases, they can grow to the same proportions, like 30 feet long, and they tip over canoes and murder you. Mostly they top out at shy of 6 feet long, but muskie are dicks. They are highly aggressive, they are always hungry, highly territorial, and generally in a shitty mood. Because if you're the biggest thing in the lake outside of a may or may not be confirmed lake monster, you get to be the big swinging dick, because no Paku's going to bite your tree nuts off. <laughs> Along that line is the pike. Um, especially oh, the European yeah. pike, which yeah. is a lot like the North American version, but I went down a fun rabbit hole. Josh, there are Welsh pike cryptids. Oh, no way. That's awesome. They, yeah, so this gets really, really cool. Um, also, gotta shout out DuckDuckGo for letting me see shit that Google doesn't want me to. Yeah, um, right. No, I, I made the switch to DuckDuckGo a couple years back, and yeah, have not regretted it. It's fantastic, yeah. Um, mostly, pike top out about five feet long. They get bigger than that. There is a Welsh angler named Mike Tunicliffe who has a 19-inch jaw off of a pike. That's now, pike scale. So, given the math of this 19-inch jaw, that would put the fish that this jaw belonged to at over 7 feet long. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 
Um, multiple Swedish pike cryptids also exist. They call them water wolves in both Sweden and England, where they will just attack people. However, you will note if you go and look for fucking pike attacks that they're not that numerous. That you don't hear a lot of them like outright attacking, but like human casualties from pike are huge because when you hook something through the mouth and rip it up to the surface out of the environment, it gets kind of shitty at you and a little hard to talk to. Therefore, these pike will often fuck up humans, and it kind of goes underreported. However, one man named Darren Blake, a water skier, was bit on the foot when a pike about six feet long bit him at the Lakeside Caravan Park in 1997, took hold of his foot and shredded it, and then let it go when the pike realized this thing was, like, its prey wasn't a fish, but a human. Mm. He still had to go to the hospital. Um, a woman, several women, well, several people have been tagged in North America by North American pike. Again, they are highly aggressive. But I also learned, Josh, that even if you don't get a pike attacked, maybe let's just say that you catch one, right? Mm-hmm. You need to go to the hospital and get that shit treated because pike have an anticoagulant in their, or anticoagulating bacteria in their mouth that will stop your blood from clogging. Holy cow. Yeah. You can bleed out. Apparently this is just like cementing what badasses pike are yeah they're they're nasty nasty um oof, yeah that's brutal yeah and we're kind of rounding out here we're kind of focusing more on the reality of fishing like of giant lake monsters slash fish um in north america in the american south uh alligator gar are they're not a problem but they become massive and they are literally prehistoric lungfish that have existed more or less unchanged since oh I don't know when the dinosaurs were still kind of new on Earth. Again, mouthful of razor sharp teeth, kind of territorial, and they got a bad mood, so people are going to get attacked by them. I'm as as you've been listing these these last couple species of fish. I've been I've been typing them into DuckDuckGo, and yeah, each of these are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy talk. This is crazy talk. <laughs> Again, listeners, two wizards, pod C1. See all these yeah, pictures. Yeah, they will they will be there. <laughs> um, Go back all the way in time, Josh, to our Giant Snakes episode. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, we talked about the account of the man, and we said back then, even back then, it was like, oh, it's a sturgeon. Um, right now, uh, Giant Sturgeon represent a leading cause for lake monster sightings because quite frankly, giant sturgeon are lake monsters. Yeah, they are because they are. <laughs> they, they, they are. are. They can top out at 20 feet long. In America, they can get... Okay, I saw conflicting reports once again. Um, I saw reports of like 22-foot-long beluga sturgeons living in Russia. I just... I fucking can't. I just fucking can't. Yeah, that's... God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and I, and so here we are, like, okay, so yes, I could sit here and name every big fish cryptid in the world, but I'm not going to do that, because that's silly, um, but I want to get to this point that, like, maybe most of these lake monsters are just giant fish. There's a theory that the Loch Ness Monster is just a giant Wells catfish that got trapped in the lake, or a giant eel that lives in the lake. We talked about how, like, the biomass... Just or, or the the eel population in Loch Ness alone is 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 astounding. Causes for lake monsters. We talked about the the idea of pareidolia, where you see a thing that you think you want to see, and it's really just a log. Right, right. 
you know, you, you look out, and maybe it is a sturgeon. Maybe there's a sturgeon that jumps up. and Sturgeon like to jump. That's a big thing they like to do. Like dolphins, they will take their whole body out of water just for funsies. Mm-hmm. And, hey, they arc. It might look like a neck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about uh, uh, Joe Nickel and his theory that most lake monster sightings are only logs. Because, like, if it was a plesiosaur, it couldn't, like, bring its head up out of the water because the biomechanics of a plesiosaur don't work that way, right? Right. And then you ruined the episode last week when you said it might just be, like, a big old dick swinging out in the lake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the final theory that states it might be a trapped whale. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes a lake monster might be a trapped whale. And I'm going to send you a picture of a couple lake monsters right now. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, t- talking about what was it? Um, the one in oh, not Superior. Oh, fuck. Yes, yeah, there's the leeches again. God damn it. Okay, but yeah. Here oh, we go. sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Here we go. Those oh. are some lake monsters for you, buddy. Those, those, those are some monsters of a of a certain variety. Yeah. Those are penises, buddy. Those are Listeners, two wizards pod C one. You can see these dicks too. These are whale, whale dicks. dicks. There is a leading theory that every single lake monster sighting can be tied back to a freshwater, a a whale caught in a freshwater system, like Loch Ness, like Lake Iliamna, like the Great Lakes. And they just, like any other good God-fearing male mammal, it will whip its dick out and wave it around in public. (laughs) My point is we need to cancel whales because they're effectively Louis C.K. Waving their dicks around. Yeah, whales and dolphins. Um, whales and dolphins. The I rapists know... of the sea and the dick wagglers of the sea. And they're like chilling out there in the Great Lakes. <laughs> Which translates to, we're going to fuck with these humans. <laughs> yeah, how? <laughs> Check this shit out. And the whale breaches, flops his dick out, and everybody goes crazy because that's the goddamn Lake Champlain monster. There is Champ. The legend made flesh. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know South Park had their hypothesis for why the Japanese uh, tend to just brutalize uh, whales and dolphins, but but maybe there's another maybe there's another absolutely appropriate reason why why they do, and it's not because they did Pearl Harbor, <laughs> because they've been waving their dicks at us for generations <laughs> for generations. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a log or a whale dick or giant fucking leeches, a giant sturgeon, uh, an extant plesiosaur, or some unknowable fan of the Black Eyed Peas with its lovely lake monster lumps. (laughs) Yes, Josh, lake monsters are fucking real. Yeah, they are. And if nothing else, yeah, if nothing else, uh, listeners, if if you still doubt, if you're if you if you've listened to almost four hours of Mark and I going into this topic, and you're still kind of on the fence, like, well, really, got okay, then I invite you, um, yeah, go find one of those twenty foot long Russian sturgeons, and then and 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 then come back to us and say that they aren't real, because uh, because they are, they just are, they just are. And that's and that's cool. That's a great bit of magic that we get to experience in this world, uh, and take blurry photographs of, and <laughs> try to <laughs> convince people to prop up your tourist industry there. Uh, but uh, but no, M- Mark, you did 
you did a, an amazing job tackling this monster of an episode in, in, in its own right. Because there's, there's a ton of research. Uh, and even right, like, like, like you, you, you texted me back and forth like, oh, buddy, like I, need, I just need more time to like get this thing polished. I need to get those like... And, and that the more work, I looked, the worse it got. Like, yeah, well, right, exactly. And and with all of that, um, no, th- th- this was a phenomenal two-parter, and I'm Thank and I'm, you. I'm Thank excited. You. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. No, this was great. So, so listeners, uh, tell tell us what you're thinking. Um, are you still on the fence about lake monsters? Have you seen them yourself? I I, I know it, I'm going to try not to just repeat my kind of closing that I did with Lake Monsters 1. But uh but but still we, we want to hear. Uh have you had your nuts bitten off by a pocket? <laughs> Should I talk to you? <laughs> you, can, you you can come on an episode of Two Others podcast and tell your story. Um <laughs> We won't laugh this hard, I promise. Are you as freaked out by these pictures of uh, giant leeches that we're going to put up uh, because boy howdy or these giant whale whale dicks uh, that, that are up there too L- let us know tell us share this with us um, and here's and, and also here are some of the places where maybe you're really excited to see these pictures then here here's where you can find them crazy um, but you can also send an email to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com we're on Twitter, um, Two Wizards Pod C One at Two Wizards Pod C One, um, and I keep seeing this thing where I don't know, like a bunch of accounts are like, "Oh, we we're making our uh, Twitter accounts private because that's going to boost engagement somehow." We're not going to do that. We're not going to go private because we want people to explore and to participate and to be scrolling through randomly and be like, "Why are there pictures of uh, whale dicks and two foot long leeches here?" What's this Two Wizards podcast thing? So we're, we're keeping it open. Um, find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Uh, I am on Twitter. Um, uh, at Plaid Barbarian. And I did. I, I kind of played around with the private thing. But I think I'm going to go back to being being open here. Because how else will you get to like share? Like You can at me and be like, Josh, you're right. These things are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, this uh, is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, this, this is, is horror made thing. flesh. Why would you put this on Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> and you go, it's Mark. He's insane. Yeah, well, and, and speaking of Mark, where can people find you? What are some of your socials? What are some things that you're wanting to uh, uh, to tell everybody about? Oh, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, or you can find me on our sister podcast, The Dangle Podcast, a weekly King of the Hill podcast, where me and my buddy Johnny rate and review two episodes of King of the Hill. Hey, go check out this week's episode where you get to hear my uncensored feelings about the reboot. Spoilers, they're not positive. Or next week when this one is probably already dropped, when we discuss After the Mold Rush and Living on Reds, Something Something, and Vitamins. It's the Hank's a Trucker episode. Hank rents um, a truck to haul furniture for his mom. It's a great episode. We've got a great, great trucker convoy song. Me and Johnny sing convoy. It's a great episode. Uh, go check me out at tw- Twitter or t- check me out there. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, five stars, guys, let us know what you think, all that shit, I don't know. I hate saying like and subscribe, smash that button, give the five stars, but go do all those things, because it helps us out. Or just come say, hey, you guys are fucking idiots, Pike don't get that big, and I'll be like, hey, bitch, here's some pictures, and I'll yeah. slide into your DMs with my muscalunge. <laughs> Josh, Let's get the hell out of here, buddy. Let, let us indeed. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a joy. Uh, and, yes, look forward to more Two Wizards podcast episodes in the future. My name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I think I might have figured out how to actually wrap an episode. Thank you for <laughs> listening. We love you all, everyone. Good night, guys. Take care. Yeah. He rolled upon his back, and after that... I killed them all! Ah!